Let me begin by warning you that if you're somebody who finds it easier to blame external forces, then this conversation isn't for you. This week, I was super lucky to get some time to speak with entrepreneurial mentor and business growth and marketing specialist, Jürgen van Pletsen. In this conversation, Jürgen and I really delved into what is it about the beliefs, the behaviors, and the whole mindset of being an entrepreneur and how entrepreneur Yes, it's focused on business, but it can be spread out to other parts of your life. Jürgen shares his own entrepreneurial journey from school in South Africa to moving to Perth and how he's continually expanded himself, embracing successes and hard learnings. In this conversation, I got Jürgen really fired up and he really shares his passion towards putting yourself out there into uncertainty, testing yourself and finding out what you're made of, as well as just generally as he said, owning your own shit and taking responsibility for all aspects of your life. Jürgen argues that having a job at one level is just being complacent and being comfortable. Jürgen also argues that you'll never get the most out of life until you've tried building something for the benefit of others. Like I said, this conversation isn't the easiest and it is confronting in areas, but I super enjoyed it and I know you'll get a lot out of it. So enjoy Jürgen. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into entrepreneurship. What does it mean? What is it? And how can you tap into your inner entrepreneur with today's guest, Jürgen van Pletsen? Jürgen, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me, Bryn. Happy to be here. Thank you very much. So one of the questions I always ask my guests right at the start, because it's called WA Real, is, is the connection with Western Australia. Um, you were originally born in South Africa. Can you tell me a bit about how you ended up here in Western Australia and, and, and why you're still here and what it means to be living in Western Australia to yourself? That's an easy one. I like starting questions with easy questions. Um, I believe very deeply in, uh, in, in my heart and everything that I am that uh, Perth specifically or WA as a whole is one of the most interesting places to live in the world. Uh, we've got an incredible diversity of nature we've got an incredible diversity of people and all of those things combined really makes it fun to get up in the morning and experience um, what wa has to offer for us now you mentioned yep correctly i'm from south africa i moved here ooh, maybe 14 15 years ago now uh, and it's been it's been a really interesting time in that short little space that i've been in town so um, my that? parents immigrated here well i've just done a lot of different things you know and i found that um Perth specifically makes it easy for someone to experience a lot of what life has to offer, both in terms of my current uh, things that I keep myself busy with in terms of the business, uh, but also in terms of just the people that I meet here from all walks of life, um, all different nationalities, all different experiences and um, insights, interesting things that you learn along the way from everyone. So to me, the why I'm still here, um, I, I cannot think of a better place to live than right here. And uh, I don't think I'll ever find another place, you know, that really ticks all the boxes for me. Yeah, it's, it's certainly unique. I, I, I mean, I love the nature of the land and the ability to go out and enjoy space. But similarly, I just find that there's a real, I mean, it's almost like a blank canvas to go, go mm. and do stuff. Yeah, I mean, we've got, if you just think of like, you know, silly things like access to different types of experiences. If you, if you take where I'm from, I'm, I was born in Cape Town, which is an awesome place and everyone should go visit and it's great. 
Um, and then I moved inland towards a city called Pretoria. It's the capital of South Africa. And that's like 700 kilometers from any ocean, right? So it's, um, it's, it's fairly high altitude in terms of the, the rest of the landmass of South Africa. And it's, it's just kind of not as diverse as what you would get here. So when I moved to Perth, suddenly I had access to a desert if I wanted to go do stuff in like sandboarding, whatever. I'm 20 minutes away from the beach, no matter where I am, because, you know, we, we've basically built up the whole coast. Um, and when I'm at the beach, there's no big buildings or anything that detracts from that natural experience of just enjoying what the na- what nature has made for us, you know. Um, and so the way that we manage our, our infrastructure and our natural resources here, I think is something to be said for other places that I've been in the world. And that combined with the diversity of, like I mentioned, um, a desert or an ocean or a city or a river with awesome places all along it, um, great motorcycle riding uh, tracks here uh, and all, all around uh, all around Perth. And then also, um, if you wanted to get into a bit more forest, you can just head down to Mandaring or if you feel it's too hot there, you just shoot down to Dwelling Up. And I mean, it's just fantastic. And all of these things are within reach. And it's really something that that makes you a happier person, I think, if you take the time out every now and then to just go and experience those things. I was having a conversation with my girlfriend the other day and, um, yeah, we were talking about how few people that we know have actually experienced WA as a whole. You know, I've been up all the way up north and all the way down south on numerous occasions in different capacities and um, really feel like I've seen everything that it has to offer, you know, the full spectrum. But a lot of people haven't. They go elsewhere. They fly overseas to get a new experience, you know. And lo and behold, it's right on your doorstep. It just takes a little bit of prep and 20 minutes of driving and you've got a completely different environment. It's really good for recharging and refueling, especially if you're someone like me that works very hard and all the time, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think the ability to to be somewhere where there's absolutely nobody else around is, is absolutely fantastic. So, like myself, you've got a background in management consultancy for yourself working for Deloitte. And from there, you went on to create your own consultancy and now gone on to mentor many entrepreneurs and businesses around the world on marketing and growth strategies. This includes, you know, like the Founders Institute and the World Economic Forum's Global Shapers Program. Where does that key focus and drive on entrepreneurship come from in the Jurgen's story was it role modeled or was it part of where you grew up How, where did it come from that's a good question and it's it's one that I get asked every now and then and I never have a consistent answer for this one but if you ask me right now in a nutshell what I would say I think is a combination of necessity um, the country that I come from doesn't have the kind of social support structures that exist here in Australia it's a little bit more along the lines of every man for himself type of thing and you either um, you know you get a lot of rope and a lot of leeway to do things and it's up to you if you're gonna hang yourself with that rope or if you're gonna swing on it right so for me I've, I've always felt I mean our school when I grew up my primary school used to have these entrepreneurship days you know just to kind of show you how embedded it is into the South African culture at least from my perspective from what, what I've experienced. What sort of things did you do on those you days? Ah oh, you know you built um, little stall like a lemonade stand type of thing and then you go and bake cookies or whatever and you try to sell it to all the other kids so it's basically just uh, 
first introduction, I suppose, for many kids and, and young people to, to get into the idea of making something, transacting with it with another person and working out what your profit is afterwards and this, this and that. So by, by no means a, a huge profitable activity because if you're selling cupcakes to kids that are like seven years old, you know, it's not a, not a big thing. But um, I guess that tells you a little bit about the culture there that I've experienced at least. And so from a very young age, it's been something that, um, that's not foreign to us. You know, um, my parents and uh, the way I was taught and grew up is more along the lines of go to university, get a good degree, find yourself a good job and all that type of stuff. Um, and I don't, I don't know if that's good advice these days anymore. Um, you know, I've got some thoughts on that, but yeah, just real quick back to the genesis of it. Um, I started my whole entrepreneurship journey, I suppose, uh, shortly after that experience with the entrepreneurship day, I was selling, uh, my friend and I had a toy trading business that we ran out of a suitcase in class. And, uh, that was my first introduction to bureaucracy and regulation because we got shut down hard by the, by the principal of the school for, uh, not doing these type of things. So you could say, um, the whole, the whole thing got started maybe 30 years ago or so, you know, from a very young age. And, uh, all throughout school, I always had little things that I would do for people um, uh, to make some money on the side. I ended up um, with this business uh, at the end of my school years. I was working at a music store, and um, it was a very popular music store. It was huge. It was absolutely enormous, bigger than anything that I've seen since then. And it had a lot of people coming through asking us if we knew anyone that could transfer a LP record, like a vinyl record, onto a CD or something else so they can listen to it without damaging the music in the process. And um, it just took a few of those conversations for me to realize that, hey, I've got turntables, got a computer, I know a little bit about how to hook the things up. Maybe I should just stick my hand up next time someone asks for that. And so I did. And um, before long, I had tables and stacks and stacks, like taller than I am, of records of customers that needed that particular service done. And, you know, that's... That, uh, caused me to do my first advertising campaigns and things like that when I was probably about 16 or 17 at this point. Um, learned all sorts of things along the way, you know, just kind of trying it. And I found it exciting and I didn't want to stop doing it. So whilst I did go to university and I studied and trained myself in, in uh, what ended up being a business degree, um, I never kind of lost that flair and that spark for taking advantage of opportunities around me and um, helping people along the way to get what they want. And lo and behold, when you do that, money comes rolling in the door and then you get to live a life that, that some people, you know, can only dream of had they not, had they only experienced that, um, that push, you know, to be self-sufficient and self-sustaining and be your own man, I suppose. Anyway, that's a long-winded way of saying, started a long time ago and having a great time. Having a great time. So has this been like a general progression for you or was there a point where, you know, obviously you were, I don't want to take away from your, your record to CD experience, um, but is there a point where you went from playing with it to thinking, right, right this is it? Because, you know, just ex reflecting on my experience of working in the global consultancy world, that, that's not a place for entrepreneurs. That's a place for conformity and and, and executing a process. Um, no, at least that was my experience. Yeah, that. yeah. I would, I would disagree from my experience about that, actually. But it's, there's so many factors mm. at play that can influence that type of culture yeah. in a business, you know. I was well, lucky with mine that they were yeah. amazing. 
Yeah, I mean, I well, to be honest, back up a bit. One of the consultants that I worked for was super entrepreneurial. One of them was super conformity, and you can mm. jump onto my LinkedIn account and work out which one was which. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, back to the question, I guess was um, was there a point where you know you went from almost playing to playing with it to right, this this is it now that I can't go back. This is what I have to do, or was that just a general progression? It's a good question, Bryn, because a lot of times we're looking for a particular event or a particular thing that's happened to us that's, you know, easy to talk about. And it's like what we would call the defining moment, the turning point, the pivot. But I don't personally have an experience like that, which was that if that thing didn't happen, then the rest wouldn't have fallen apart. Or it's because of this that I'm now X, Y, Z doing what I do. Um, it's all for me. A very fluid progression and building like like building a wall you know it's like little brick by brick brick might be broken when you pick it up so you throw it away and you try another one you know and you just systematically hone your skills find ways to adapt quickly to whatever the market's doing and just learn from your mistakes and progressively i think over time you build the kind of resilience that you require to make this work um, and the the insight to see opportunities um, and it's important that throughout that process that you maintain a very curious mind. I'm an extremely curious and knowledge-hungry type of individual. So I like to know everything about everything. And that's got its advantages and its disadvantages. But one of the advantages is that I can excite myself and get enthusiastic about almost anything as long as I kind of see some benefit in it or an opportunity to learn something or share some knowledge. So that's for me, there's no defining moment. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's, it, um, because of the curiosity, opportunities are everywhere. It's not like I'm trying to focus on just one thing. I can go in any direction and through the right application of the right process, which you learn through building slowly but surely, brick by brick, um, you can generally make a success out of it. So yeah, to answer the question, there's nothing defining or a particular key turning point. Um, there are obviously things that happen along the way that are notable. But I think the success for any entrepreneur trying it out would just be not to be afraid, not look for magic bullets, not look for uh, defining moments or events, but just have your eyes set on what you want and systematically work towards that without your ego interrupting you, without fear, or if you have the fear, that stare it in the face and run right through it, um, and these type of things. You know, It's about a ruthless... You almost have to be a little bit dumb to do it sometimes because you... You know, you just got to power through whatever adversity is in your way. And sometimes you win, sometimes you don't, but overall it makes you a stronger and better person. Mm. It, it, it's interesting, uh, your answer, because one of the questions I've, I've been asked frequently is, um, are entrepreneurs born or is it something they learn or are they shaped by, by earlier experience and having, you know, like a, a father figure or, or like yourself, a schooling experience or something that sets you off on this trajectory or is it something you can learn later in life? And, you know, certainly listening to your answer and it's sort of aligned to the way I think about it is that, um, yeah, it, it's a logical progression. If you take the moment to stop for a minute and look back and, and realize where you are and realize, geez, everything I've picked along the way is helping me to deal with exactly the situation at this point in time. There's a beautiful synchronicity about it at times. That's one of the things that keeps me going and powering through and 
gives me joy in life, if I can say it like that. It's looking backwards and seeing the mountain that you're kind of standing on top of. Not that I'm anywhere near on top of a mountain, but, you know, looking back, you see the little peaks and valleys that you had to overcome on the way. And it wouldn't have been for each of those experiences that you would have the knowledge to do whatever it is you're doing at the moment. And entrepreneurship is exactly like that. So, yeah, I 100% agree with that sentiment. I think it's extremely important for someone that may not feel like they're entrepreneurial to realize that you can absolutely become that you 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 are not just born an entrepreneur or not um and even the word entrepreneur i mean that's a label right like we don't even have to really assign the label if you're someone that wants something and you're willing to build something or do something to help other people get what they want then you are likely to get that thing that you want and entrepreneurship is just that it's a supply and demand match and uh, efficient execution of that and ruthless attention to adaptation along the way so that you learn from your mistakes and do better next time. So definitely agree. I actually, I actually took five minutes before we, we had this conversation to just jump into the definition and the epistemology of the word entrepreneur. Oh, I'd love to hear it. I've never looked it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the, the sort of things that were coming up was one who starts a business or other venture that promises economic gains, but also entails risk. And there's a real suggestion that there has to be initiative and an element of risk Otherwise, it's not quite considered entrepreneurial. It also sort of originates from the French word entreprendre, which means to undertake. And uh, originally, it was meant to mean or promote a a theatrical performance, but it was coined by a a Mm. French economist. And also has been known to be translated as adventurer, which kind of really tips into what you were talking about beforehand. That's cool. I like it. I like it. And... um, I will make one more comment on that now that you've mentioned the words economic benefit. You know, I don't know why, but some people I speak to in the community that are, if we want to label it entrepreneurs or people who have startups or even people who have established businesses, um, they're afraid of profit for some reason. They're afraid of the word profit. They're afraid of making money, you know. And I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a bad thing. It's the whole purpose of it. You know, it's the, it's the fuel that we use for everything that we do. And, and in the end, if anyone is listening to this and they're considering to be an entrepreneur or, you know, they watch a lot of Gary Vee videos and now they want to do it themselves and whatever, um, don't be afraid of charging what you're worth or, you know, making money. Like it's not about just being nice to people. It's not about being a non-for-profit. Um, there's nothing wrong with profit and it should be going to the person that's taken the risk and executed well, you know. Um, it's just a little side note, like the economic benefit thing, sometimes with this word and some people that I meet, it's missing. And I don't think you can be an entrepreneur or considered an entrepreneur unless you have something that's actually making money. There's, there's a lot of people out there that play entrepreneur, right? They have blogs and all sorts of things going on with no money coming into the door. And that's not entrepreneurship to me. You're not you're not honoring the supply and demand equation. Yeah. And and there's another thing in there about if you're not being rewarded for the energy that you're putting out, there, how can you gain more resources to scale that message? And, and there's almost, you know, a a requirement upon you to, if you've tapped into your passion and your value that you can add and serve to a community, then it's almost bestowed upon you to, you know, scale that and provide it as far as you can to those who need it. It's, I 100% um, agree. 
it's it's interesting what you say about um, people being scared of profit, and I think it comes back to understanding what is your relationship with money and mm-hmm. how that's been shaped and formed. Because we do take a lot on, you know, nobody sits us down and tells us about money. You know, where do we get it from? We get it from mum and dad and those around you, and you get comments like. Oh, I put that down. It's a bit too much money or, oh, I can't do this because I haven't got enough money. And then there's other things like, oh, well, if somebody's made a lot of money, they're obviously greedy or they're a wanker or they're this or they're that or the other. And so you, you don't want to be that person. So you don't, and it's associated with money and making profit and being successful. And so, you, mm. you know, you push it away. That's a, that's a very sad thing to me that those connotations are attached to it. Because like you said, if you've got a good message and you're helping people, either to get what they want, to help them, inspire them, whatever the thing is that you deliver to that audience. If you don't do so at a profitable, in a profitable way, what incentive are you going to have for yourself to keep going with that? You know, you might not be driven by money, but the thing is, it costs money to do things. So if you're not thinking about that side of the, of the income statement, you know, the revenue side coming in and managing your expenses, how can you expect to bring that message to the people that needs to hear it? Or exactly. At the end of the day, Zen doesn't pay the bills, does it? Well, but that's right. Yeah, exactly. It's fun and you can meditate all you want. But the thing is, it's not going to go and close a deal for you or sell or, you know, teach you stuff to. And the other thing is, all of this stuff, you cannot get someone's money without offering value to them, right? So, so they're not going to pay you anyway if you're not delivering the thing that they need. So it's, 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 like, it's like energetic feedback, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it's like, um, and, and, you know, I'm going to start waffling on now, but um, you've hit a nerve here with this one. Um, this yeah, whole thing about, to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think it's just so important that you've got that stuff right from the get go and that you find the quickest path towards that and then have fun, right, with, with the business and expand things and do what you want. Because um, if you're just doing something from your own love for it, and it doesn't have a market that's, that wants it, that can pay for it and then wants to pay for it. You know, if your pay propensity test fails for something, it's just a hobby. It's not a business. And sooner or later, you're going to do a disservice to the people that you're trying to serve because you're not going to reward yourself for the risk that you've taken. And you're going to be fearful of it. And you're going to be scared and make bad decisions because you're, you're not acting in the best interest of your clients. And when you do act in the best interest of your clients or your customers or your listeners, whoever it might be, um, they'll reward you because you're valuable to them. And that's all it is. There's nothing fancy about it. And I, I very highly believe that there needs to be skin in the game and you need to take a risk, you know. And, and, I, and I think the other thing that uh, some people get scared of when they're scared of, of, of charging um, you know, some money for their services is that one of the things they overlook at is how serious do you take from a client's point of view, how serious do you take something when you've invested and put skin in the day game and paid the price to action? So, you know, if I was to say, come on board a coaching course and I, and I pay 1200 bucks, how much more serious am I going to take it? And, and what greater results am I going to get? And how am I, how much more am I going to listen to you? If I pay 1200 bucks, then you just go, Oh, come on it for free. Exactly. Yeah. If you give stuff away for free, you get a bunch of tie kickers Now you might get, a thousand of them, right? Which makes you feel all good because, you know, your email list has just grown by a thousand people or you've got a thousand likes on your page or whatever the hell. Um, but it's not going to be fun for you because you're going to deal with a thousand tire kickers and a thousand people that just expect and you've 
the problem is you've trained them to expect free from you. You've trained them that you will not value your own self and your own time and your expertise and the trials and trepidations that you had to go through to develop whatever it is that you're selling. You know, it takes a lot of work. It's our life. We only get one. There's a limited amount of time in it. You should get rewarded for that. But I don't believe that the market should reward you just because you want to be rewarded for something. You know, the the whole entrepreneurship thing is about testing and validating things with the market before you in heavily invest. And when you find it, go large. That's how I play it. So um, I don't expect anything from anyone, right? I have no strings with anyone. There's, there's no uh, requirement to, you know, I'm completely self-sufficient in every way that you can imagine. And yeah, expectations and uh, the word I'm looking for, oh, come on, help me out here. What's the word? Um, entitlement, right? Entitlement has no place in entrepreneurship and business is my view. So um, you, you've got to be ready for that. There's no safety net, you know, catching you. There's no parachute that's going to open up when things go bad. You have to be your own person, you know. And regardless of what's happened to you in your past, you know, there's a lot of people that that I speak to that, that have all these reasons why they can't do something or why they, they're not the right person for this or they don't have the right skill set or they didn't work at this place so, you know, they can't do it or whatever, like, you know, insert reason X here. And the cold hard fact is no one gives a shit about that. No one gives a shit about you. It's what you can do for them. And your attention and your energy, I believe, will be better spent figuring out a way to give people what they want and what they need rather than, you know, curling into a little ball and crying about all the things that are not going well for you or the reasons why you've been disadvantaged or whatever. If you've got two arms, two legs, you get up in the morning and you can walk and you can speak to people and you've got energy like you mean you got like a lot, you know, going for you. And regardless of what's happened in your past, yes, it's not your fault that those things happened, but it's your responsibility to get out of it and move forward. And that's a kind of a little mantra. Own it. Own your shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had this big uh, theme about takers and creators and we can all be creators but the easiest thing in the world is just to be a taker and sit and take and take and take mm. and you know it's it's, it's easy and, and and it's easy to get comfortable comfortable just yes. taking and and yeah there's um i love um there's a great quote that floats around in my head a lot with tony robbins which is about mm. um you know the quality of your life will be directly proportional to how comfortable you get with uncertainty and yes that just rings so true so I think it's sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's all right. You're going to say something. Oh no! Yeah, like every time you say something like that, then I just want to fire up and like you know, this is my outlet, Bryn. This uh, this interview is now a place for me to like say all yeah. these things. Because what is it? What is that, that fire, Jurgen? Where does that fire come from? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's uh, I've maybe I've got German blood. I do have German blood. I don't know if it's the thing about being efficient with everything we've got and extracting the maximum resources out of the, sorry, the maximum result out of resources that we've got. Uh, like you mentioned, I was a management consultant just like you and, um, you know, spent, a, that's a really good place for someone like me because I can help someone else get the max out of what they've got uh, through process improvements and, you know, proper application of the right techniques and this and that. Um, but I'm very passionate about not wasting my life. I don't want to have regrets, right? I don't want to look back and go, oh, I was too scared to do this or, 
oh, you know, if only I did that. So words like I'm too or I can't or if only, I don't, I don't have these in my, my vocabulary. And I, I think that's probably the reason why I just fire up because every time I hear someone whinge about stuff like that, um, there's, a, there's a lot in my life that's not great, right? Um, it's too much to even talk about in this, in this time we've got, but you, don't, you can't look backwards, you know. Here's a good story about looking backwards. Like the reason I'm actually um, studying or uh, not studying, but the reason I'm doing business and marketing at the moment, uh, I'm actually an accountant, right? And so I started off learning, uh, I, I studied at university in accounting and information systems. And when I finished my degree, or maybe a you know, year or so before, but nearing the end of it, you have choices. Where, what the hell do you want to do? Where the fuck do you want to go? Do you want to go and work as an auditor? Or do you want to work as an accountant, a financial accountant, or a tax accountant, or a management accountant? And the auditing side particularly did not appeal to me at all because it always looks backwards. You see, um, when you audit someone's books, all the shit that's cool has already happened and you're just like putting the numbers together and making sure that it's reported the right way. I don't know about you, but I don't get up in the morning looking forward to to doing numbers myself, right? And And not being able to affect and inflict change on the future. And so you look at that and you go, well, okay, where are the opportunities to make changes that make people's lives better, make their jobs better, make the return for the owner of the business better, you know, whatever it is that you want to focus on. And for me, that was management consulting. I, I found such a gel there and, and the people that work here in Perth, um, I'm, I'm from Deloitte, my background, um, just an absolutely phenomenal team and phenomenal mentors and people that have built that business up. Um, when I joined, there was probably 30 or 40 people in the group. Uh, and very quickly over the years, uh, they expanded like tripled and quadrupled in size. But I've got such an immense respect for the people that build that because they are helping businesses be more efficient. And if a business is more efficient, it's more resilient. And if it's more resilient, it can weather the storm. And that means German Bob and Sally has a job tomorrow when they come into work, right? That job exists because the business is doing what it needs to do to adapt and change and stay on top of things, not waste money. You know, it's just a very efficient way to, um, to, to be. And I think all of these things combined just make me so, I get so fired up with anyone that says they can't do it or anything where someone is just wasting resources, you know, sitting around doing nothing, watching TV. Well, uh, wasting the great potential that they've been given. I mean, man's greatest burden yeah. is unfulfilled potential. Absolutely. And entrepreneurship's the thing that gives that to you. You know, you can't, you can't really get the most out of your life until you've tried to build something for the benefit of other people. In some way, a job is complacency to me in my brain because there's certainty. <laughs> So, and when there's certainty, there's comfort and prediction. I can know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to get my check on the 14th and, you know, I'm going to go do cool things. And, and that's fine, right? But you're not really pushing yourself and you don't actually even know what you're capable of unless you've stepped away from that and put yourself between a rock and a hard place with a mission and seeing what you can do, you know? Um, so entrepreneurship sounds very scary to many people. Sorry, go ahead. I'll yeah, keep no, talking all day long. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what we're here to do. And, you know, you go back to what I was saying with Tony Robbins, and that's the other half of that formula. You know, if you're not 
comfortable with the uncertainty, then it's going to back up into mm. the quality of your life. That's right. Because things change around us, you see. Um, if you ask me what kind of business I'm in, I wouldn't be able to answer that question because I'm in many different things. I've kind of purposely not asked you, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I'm going to ask you what you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll be able to answer it to the point of, you know, the thing that I'd like to focus on and what I'm currently focused on. But I have many different revenue sources. Um, and the reason for that is because times change and the world is malleable. Things change around us and complacency or the absence of chaos and uncertainty uh, breeds the kind of behavior that makes you like what they say in Fight Club, like a wad of cookie dough, right? And the world's just going to push and mash you around. And you're always going to try and blame someone else for what's happening and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I'm sure all of us listening to this can can have some ideas of, of what I'm talking about when I say that. But if you are an entrepreneur, you are forced to adapt to what's happening around you. And it's not about being a, let's say, um, you know, what, let's say your business is making calculators. I don't know, man. Um, it's not about being a calculator maker. What you really are is a project manager and someone with uh, the right application of resources to give some people a calculator that they need the calculator. But your business calculators might completely go out of fashion, right? Someone may never buy one again. You, know, you need to be ready for whatever else is out there that you can sustain that business with. There's very few businesses that end up, even in the short or the long term, being what they set out to be in the first place. In startup world, we call this pivoting, right? So if you imagine you pivot from the left to right, or you try to find that place where your, your kind of uh, skills and expertise notch into a bit of traction, and then you, you execute on that. But you have to be adaptive to change. And that means that you can't just sit in your laurels and wait for things to happen you can't just assume that the future will be the same as the past. You have to constantly be looking and finding things. But if you've got the right process, it's a lot easier to do that than what it was a year ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And um, I think it's very important that we develop that not only from a business sense, but also in ourselves, because our lives change. The things that we want change as we age. Um, the, the people we interact with, the experiences we have, these things all are malleable. So why would we want to stick to one particular source of income, for instance, or one job for the rest of our life. The only reason I can see is that might be fearful that anything other than that's not going to work out. So it's fear driving you. And if it's fear, it's probably connected to your ego. Um, so if you are afraid of what people might think, if you don't drive the Porsche anymore, stuff like that, you know, these are the Achilles heels of entrepreneurship is to think too much of yourself or have, have attitude like that. You know, it's all just pure supply and demand and resilience and if you can develop that in business it makes you oh, sorry if you can develop that through entrepreneurship you will be better in every other area of your life as well because things won't phase you as much you won't arc up over small little things you know you'll have a thick skin um, and understanding that the world is malleable and changes and that's just going to make you i believe anyway a better person for everyone that interacts with you and works with you Mm. Uh, two things that came up there. One I was going to ask later on is, you know, to me, entrepreneurship doesn't just apply to business. It can apply to many other areas mm. of life. I mean, are you going to choose to go on a two-week holiday and sit in a resort where you know, you know all-inclusive, where you know what's going to come every day and this, that, and the other? Or are you going to go and take a backpack in a lonely planet and just go to 
I had a great experience of three weeks in Sri Lanka last year. Didn't know where I was going to go. Went all over the place. Came back, had the most expansive time ever. Um, Which one are you going to choose? You know, one is pitting you and your wits against a whole other country. Mm. Uh, And the other one is just pure predictability. Now, you know, just I don't mind which one people go for. Just make a conscious choice. Don't, don't, Mm. I guess, much like yourself. Don't sit and moan about the fact that life is boring and my job's all the same and, and everything's the same and I'm bored and bored and bored, but take no action. Um, yeah, exactly. Do not recognize it, you know, because you're responsible for all of this. So, That's yeah. right. But um, just taking what you've learned, because you've obviously gone really deep into the, or like the mindset of, of, of an entrepreneur, I wanted to kind of gauge your sort of um, insights on, on – on a number of different levels of, of what what uh, what is entrepreneurship. So if we looked at that from almost like an identity, belief, thinking, acting, and environment point of view, how how does a how does an entrepreneur identify themselves? Oh, I don't actually know how to how to answer that question. Um, so Other the identity. I am, of, an, I am an entrepreneur. Okay. I'll, I'll maybe rattle off a few personality traits maybe that I believe are important yeah. for someone. Yeah, it's kind of um, how do they identify themselves. What are the belief patterns they hold? And specifically entrepreneurship, yeah. So mm. business Because this will give the, the listener who's still like sort of, okay, so these guys are just rattling around this word entrepreneur and they're talking some big stuff and, you know, they're talking mm. real brave. But mm-hmm. what, what is it and, and, and what's the insight inside? Okay. I think – guys and girls i think definitely some of these things i'll say now will change over time so if we're talking about entrepreneurship we're talking about adventure right so it's going to become a business it's going to have employees and staff and all these kind of things over time it'll grow and and it'll look very different from when it's starting up so i think you need once again to have adaptable personality traits for various situations that you find yourself in throughout that growth journey but if we just look at where most people that's probably listening to this are they're either kind of want to start something or maybe they're at the early stages of it or they've got a startup or maybe they've got some early traction they've got a business maybe a few employees and these kind of things and they want to grow i think the personality traits um, that that make it more likely that you'll succeed would be the lack of an ego if you can that's a bit of a broad statement i suppose but you can't stand in your you stand in your own way when you care too much about what people think about you and it's going to cause you not to try things that may have worked very well to build a business for yourself, right? So a good example of that would be your interviews and these kind of things. You know, when I um, got started with all this stuff here in, in Australia, I built this website called nicheinterview.com. And I remember not wanting to publish that site. And my, my finger was like hovering over the mouse key for the publish um, because I was afraid of what other people might think of my accent what other people might think of a thing that my guest would say, and maybe that doesn't gel with their view of life. And I just wanted to be liked, you know, and I realized that when I, I, I click publish anyway, and it was the best thing I'd done. Uh, but I realized that all of that stuff, it's all in our heads, right? So if you stand in your own way, you just got to get out of your own fucking way and not care. The, the good news is that in the early days, no one's going to see and notice you anyway. So you might as well get started, right? <laughs> No one's going to listen to that podcast that you've always wanted to start unless you've got like 15 episodes or 20 episodes, right? No one's going to go on your website and write a letter to 
the president about the full stop that you missed at the end of the sentence or, you know, shit like that. Or because your opt-in box was green instead of blue, now the world's going to fall apart. There's all these little tiny stupid things that we stand in our own way for. And it's all, to me, ego-driven. And I think the, the, the more you can get rid of that shit, the better. You're just going to be more agile and better able to adapt and find the path quicker that's going to work for you. And that brings me to the second point, is the resilience required. Because that path that's going to work for you is going to be hidden under a whole bunch of rubble, under a mountain perhaps, and you're going to have to go dig in different locations until you find the thing that works. So if you never start digging, you're probably not going to start with the thing that you that's going to work for you anyway. So you might as well get started and find out through trial and error that this doesn't fucking work and change and be open to that change and responsive to it as quick as you can. Um, what else? Um, maybe a healthy respect for rules, but a equally healthy disregard for them. I don't know how to say that in a better way. The only rules that I really religiously stick to are the tax rules. Like, I don't fuck around there, right? If, if, if I need to pay money, that's going straight to the taxman and leave me alone, right? So that's, that's, I'm always making sure that my financials and things like that are always in order. And it's, there's, you know, that's the one thing I, I, I care about. But everything else in the world was built by people, you know, at a point in time where there wasn't anything. So rules are just governing factors that, that is there for guidelines, I suppose. I'm not going out and saying break the rules, but don't let them put you off from attempting or trying. Yeah. Um, the, the law is generally black, um, sorry, gray rather than just pure black and white, you know. And I think another thing that holds people back is, oh, I need like this particular company structure or X, Y, Z. Like, you know, there's a lot of things, once again, that stops you from starting uh, to deal with regulation and so on. And in my experience, that's just never been a problem. You know, you do the best you can. You do honest ethical business and you just go for it. And don't get too holed up about established businesses that are present in the market, for instance, that put huge walls of uh, here's huge barriers to entry. They can all be crumbled down. Uh, whatever it is, regulation and rules are, in my experience anyway, quite malleable and um, yeah, not something to really worry about too much. You need to just respect them and understand it. So it's your responsibility, once again, to inform yourself the right way throughout the whole thing. Maybe that's another trait. It's a hunger to understand the world and how it works and make a change onto it. It's about building something that you control and that you own and that you, that you use to give yourself the freedom to live the life that you want, which means that you need to be pissed off about something, ideally, that you want to change, right? There's something that's not right and you need to, you're going to go change it. I think those are those are good traits to have, which will help you because if you believe in a particular cause or a message or whatever it might be, you're going to be much more resilient through the hard times to get that message out despite the adversity. And it's going to stop you from giving up if you really have that core belief. And that works better when you're pissed off about something because if you're pissed off about it, you need to recognize that you're pissed off. But instead of taking a pill to relax or smoking weed or whatever, just go and do something about it and change the world. It was built by people like you and me. So why the fuck can't we change it? So that's that's the mindset, right? It's constantly hey, evolving and like malleable, like you say. Exactly. Yeah. So so nothing's really standing in your way. It just looks like that. But as soon as you prod it a little bit, as soon as you really dig into it, you see that it's all built on a lot of bullshit anyway. So you might as well 
you know, take take over and, and do your thing. So um, I, th- I think that kind of helps you to get over the fear as well that some people might experience. Um, I myself included, I'm, I'm afraid of shit all the time, you know. Um, but it just helps you get through it because you realize that the world doesn't work the way that it looks. Uh, as soon as you start prodding it, like I said, you know, you find that this, oh, you can actually, this part here can be mushed, so I'm just going to squeeze in there. And this part here, oh, that breaks when I push it. Okay, great. Well, there's an avenue that I found there for marketing something or, you know, this type of thing. So I don't know. I wish yeah. I could say that in a more succinct way, but I hope no, that no, no. It's, has some resonance it's, it's with right. And I think one of the things that came up to me is that, you know, sometimes we have this, like, uh, I've heard it said before, like a death grip on how we think reality should be. Mm. And, and the reality moves away from that. And as it moves away, that's when we incur stress. And then we get scared and then we start taking and gathering in and curling up in a ball and woe is me and woe is the world. Then mm-hmm. oh, I can't do this because of that. Yeah. And, you know, all those things are valid. They're not, they're not invalid. I mean, it does happen to you. You don't have no control over what the weather's going to be like or what the government's going to do if we're going to have a new prime minister next week or you have no control over these things. But so fucking what? It's your responsibility to make sure you're informed and uh, empowering yourself to get through whatever the changes are that come in. And uh, yeah. For you, how much um, is there? This is another thing that I started to think about when I um, started to consider entrepreneurialism deeper. How much is there a, uh, a focus on the process as opposed to the outcome? You know, there's, there's like this curiosity and learning and learning always happens you know i will do this and then it will see what happens and we'll see what happens and Mm. it'll take us from one place to another to another as opposed to i'm going to do this because i want 10 million in the bank so i think it's it's very important that you do have you're going to start a business right a business is defined by the word profits right like a return on investment for the for the owner or the 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 person who owns the shares in that business so i mean you you got to have goals like monetary goals i would say uh, if you if you want to achieve anything, because if you don't know where you're going, how the hell are you going to end up there? So I think on one hand, it's not an either or thing. I think these two things need to be combined. So you need to set what we call bags, B-H-A-G, big, hairy, audacious goals, right? Stuff that you, you're, when you see it, you're like, fuck, I could never do that. You know, it needs to make you think like that. And then you put that line in the sand, you go, I'm going to be there. And then you can work backwards. It's a lot easier to work backwards from something and figure out the steps required that you think at least is going to get you there rather than just plottering along, doing random shit all day long without focus. So I believe ruthless focus about an end insight is, is important. However, consider the analogy of a plane flying from Perth to Sydney. All right. So the plane knows where it wants to go and it has reasonable amount of data available to it about the conditions it might experience, the things like altitude it's going to fly, the engineering parameters of how that plane operates, the engines, all these kind of things. So it knows things like I need this much fuel between this range and that range. And I need to allow this amount of time because, you know, whatever might happen, I might end up being between A and B times that I'm going to get there. So there's a lot of information they have, which gives them a really good shot at attempting to fly from Perth to Sydney. But they don't know exactly how strong the crosswinds are going to be over the Nullarbor or if someone's going to have a heart attack on the plane. And like, there's all sorts of things that can happen outside of their control. And for that, they need, if we just imagine the trajectory of the plane, um, I don't know if anyone's ever thought about this, but that how I think about it is a plane never flies in a straight line anyway, right? 
it goes, it knows it wants to end up in Sydney, but then it has the GPS and it has regular KPIs and measurements along the way. So when a crosswind blows it from point A to point B minus where it should have been at B, then it knows it can adjust course and turn the wings a bit, do these things, pull these levers, whatever the, the thing is, and the plane will veer to the right and it'll be on course again. And it'll go like a zigzag the whole way rather than a straight line. And so to come back to your question about is it about testing and trying and being curious all the time and doing things rather than the end goal, that plane example kind of explains it. You can't have one without the other because the plane can can fly with, uh, let's say they didn't do their proper research before they try to fly. They're not going to have enough fuel potentially and kill everyone. Um, and if they if they did the wrong numbers, maybe there's a bit of fuel left over, fine. Okay, it's not that bad. It would have been nice if we just had the perfect amount, but hey. So, so everything is, nothing's perfect, even in something as advanced as an airplane flying. And what we need to do is build in a little GPS for ourselves and markers in the sand that tell us if we're on the right path or not. And I think if you don't have those little, I'll call them milestones in kind of project management language, but you've got to have little milestones that force you to reflect on what's happened and say, hey, is this going the way that I want to go? If it's not, suck it up and change, you know? Um, there's, there's countless stories of people that get, fall in love with their own ideas and just burn all their savings trying to start something up because they believe that's the best thing to do. And it's not how it works. You know? That plane will end up in Darwin if it doesn't course correct. So, you know, do you want to end up in Sydney or do you want to fly into the, to the ocean? I really like that analogy. Yeah. So what is it that, um, what is it you actually do currently in terms of, uh, working with future entrepreneurs and stuff and, and how can somebody who's listening to this start to take their first sort of steps and instill this into themselves? So I've got two, um, two main ventures that I'm actively pursuing at the moment. The first one is videography. So, um, it's a pretty good story in terms of just how shit this can happen. Right. But, um, Long story short, I have a video business and we do live streaming for all sorts of events around town. Um, I film commercials and events and make videos for people to sell stuff and all sorts of things. So if you need a video, that's one of my businesses. And that's a that's an example of a business that is started up with a bunch of cameras that I bought on Gumtree because I wanted to solve another problem for uh, some online information courses that I've been developing. Um, and I wanted a way to capture that information and the, to make those lessons as efficient as possible for me to produce because I want to do other things as well, but at the same time, interesting to watch. So I put together a whole bunch of different iPhones with some apps to connect them up together like a multi-camera kind of setup. And I had one pointing down at the desk. I had one pointing at my face and one off to the side. And then I had the computer monitor with some slides on it. And I would be able to, on an iPad, switch between these views as I'm delivering the training and as I'm doing it, which basically meant that I could cut out all the editing time at the end of the video, which is normally how things work is you record it and then you go snip it together into this perfect thing and then launch it. But for me, I just cut out all the editing time, which meant I could get a lot more content out there and a lot more stuff done. Got the idea to see if I can apply that um, multi-camera setup in an event and what it would look like in a room if I filmed there. So I called up one of the guys here, um, David, that runs the Morning Startup Meetup Group. It's one of the largest meetup groups in Australia. And I said, can I come and bring this crap to your 
venue and just film it. I just want to see what it does. And you get a free recording if it works out, and, if, and I might learn a few things. And uh, that was two years ago, and right now that's turned into a full film business, like a full videography service in any type of video that you want, whether it be to be effective at selling a new product or if you just want to capture an event and live stream it to people overseas. Um, we do all of those things now, and it's been an extremely rewarding journey. Uh, and that's an example of something that started completely different from what my goal was, you know, in a completely different area. But by op recognizing the opportunity for it, you start honing the skills in that. And you get better and better, and people start talking about you, and before you know it, you've got a business. Um, so, so in that sense, and you ask also, how can someone get started? Well, I hope that story kind of illustrates that you don't need much. I mean, the cameras that I bought... Um, to help myself do it, I had iPhones lying around. They're really old. So if you think you need the latest gear and stuff for this kind of thing, it's bullshit. I just strung something together in a unique solution for someone that wanted it. And it ended up being the right, the right service. Quality didn't matter that much. It was more about capturing the content so that other people can learn. And over time, you then upgrade your camera. So <laughs> some of the cameras I use now, um, you know, they, they like $250 x gumtree kind of cameras right i just needed something a bit better and so i went and just found one for super cheap and that business does you know like over six figures a year kind of in in business you know so if you want to learn how to take 250 bucks and turn it into a hundred thousand dollars there's a case study for you right there and it didn't take a degree i have no formal qualification in any film stuff it's all school of hard knocks trial and error but listening to what people want and giving them that rather than what I think it needs to look like or getting in my own way along the way. So that's a film business and a little story for you about how someone can get started. Just do what I did. The second thing is marketing consulting, right? So throughout um, my time as a management consultant, um, I learned a lot about how businesses operate. I was very fortunate to be placed on a lot of different projects with different types of industries and clients. And through those years, I've, I've experienced really a lot of different type of things um, in a business that goes well and things that can be improved and, and really paid attention to my work there. I focused really hard on that and made sure I learned as much as I can. But then when you start your own business, you've got to learn how to sell, right? Because when you work for someone else, like a big consulting firm, there's there's an entire, not a team of people, but there's a, there's a big effort that's always ongoing to help people to fill the book and get new work. And it's not until you really step out of that where you realize that that's actually pretty much the most important thing of the whole business is to actually make the money come in. And so when you are forced in a decision where you don't have that coming in, you've got this business idea, you need to learn how to do it. And through that process for the last 10 years or so, uh, it's really been about learning that process and applying it for myself to my own needs. I see there's a gap in the market for a particular type of software. so. I learned how to code that language and I built that software and now I need to get it to that market. So how do I do that? Then you learn something. So you learn a bit about this advertising, that advertising, this strategy in this market, that strategy in that market. And over time, you start building a really good bank of, like a bag of tricks, like a tool belt of what pill <laughs> in terms of uh, marketing and, and uh, revenue generating activity to apply to what type of symptom or problem that you see, almost like a doctor prescribing solutions. And I started not doing it just for myself, but other people saw what we were doing and um, asked if we could help them. So I would go in and have a chat with them that apply 
some of this, some of the knowledge, and then good things would happen to them. And that happened over and over. And then, you know, they refer you to other people and eventually you become known as a bit of a kind of a growth marketer or a um, business growth specialist type of person, which is what I would classify myself as if, if or for that business. Uh, and, you know, it can, it can go really well. And, uh, I love that type of work because once again, I'm playing with a lot of uncertainty and I'm playing with the most important aspect in many respects of a business because sales fixes all your other problems. You know, no matter what your problems are, if you have more money coming in, you're probably going to be able to weather the storm and get through it. So I like helping the other way around. Exactly. You can't out save yourself, right? You can't out cut expenditure. At some point, you just, there's nothing left to cut. You're still going to incur it. And I think it's important that you manage that side of it, but your focus should be on marketing and getting new business in, extracting the most out of your business that you can. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't want to go into too much detail about the exact things, but it's about making the best use of all the assets that you can identify in your business. So it's not just about advertising. Many people think marketing is just running an ad on Facebook, but it's not about that. It's about building a brand for your business that people resonate with, but structurally and systematically focusing that attention of that brand into money, into sales, not just trying to look good outside. You need to channel it to transactions. Same thing if um, I'm a very big believer in uh, the Jay Abraham style of thinking, which is about preeminence in the market and about... Um, value creation through things you already have right so a lot of my clients for whatever reason they don't have or they don't have the the inclination to spend a lot of money on their marketing so we've got to get creative about what it is that they are going to do and so you come up with new strategies to leverage existing customers um, existing databases that you might have and all sorts of interesting things you can do with what you've already got and i i really like playing in that space because when you don't have resources you're forced to get creative and it's actually a really lot of fun. And then over time, it's the same thing as with the plane flying from Perth to Sydney. There is not one particular strategy. It's like a magic bullet. Oh, this will save you now. Or this will help you double your business. You know, it's a systematic application and testing and curiosity throughout the whole process with an open and willing attitude to learn, but a ruthless attention to tracking the data along the way so that you can make the right decisions and can factually say something is the way it is rather than just by feel. I mean, there's examples where we've, um, I'm not going to mention any of the names, obviously, but, you know, in one of the clients, um, we, we just systematically placed a few little tests out. And so we would test this thing one week, that thing another week. Uh, and one of the things we did was we just made the slightest change to the meta description of their website. And optimize the copy in the advertisements that are going out and those things together have had such a dramatic impact on their business um, that it was almost funny you know but we wouldn't have gotten to understand what those were had we not been tracking all of the little things along the way and give ourselves the right kpis um, i mean they they you know we're talking here among the last few clients or so on kind of hundreds of thousands of dollars annual recurring revenue added in months, you know, or half the size of the business added on top within two months of doing this type of stuff. And it's really exciting to be able to make those kind of improvements and seeing the positive effect that that flows and the ripple effect of that increase in business 
throughout everyone that's in the business, their families, everything else is affected by that, you know. So I don't know, it's, I'm really waffling on now, but that is what kind of drives me to do it in the first place. It's, it's being able to play around and uh, improve and, and make these changes to people's lives. Because mm. business, yeah, you're getting a real profit. But, yeah. It's interesting, you know, from, from listening to you getting fired up earlier and listening to you talk around now, there's a real quest to be the best you can be with the stuff that you've got, which is just coming yes, out of you. absolutely. Absolutely, because I'm from a place where you don't have anything, right? You look at innovation, you look at um, technology-related innovations, right? So let's say you're in a, a tribal hut in the middle of a desert in Africa, and maybe not in the middle of a desert, you're in a poor tribal town somewhere in Africa, and people have dirty clothes and they want to wash their clothes. I saw a guy that took a drum, put like a, a rope around it, and he takes a little bit of washing powder, puts your clothes inside this drum, and he attaches this drum to the back of a bicycle. And then he cycles around the village and brings back your clean clothes. Because as he cycles, the wheel's turning the drum. Now, you and I, living where we live, will never come up with that kind of idea because we are not drawn to the necessity to innovate like that guy is. But it demonstrates that what you surround yourself with, you know, and the situation you're in, your human potential is capable of innovating yourself out of that. And it's about making use of what you've got. I mean, I can go buy almost anything that I want, but I fix things with glue, right? Because I don't want to waste it or it's not required. I mean, I, it's, it's being resourceful. Okay. And, and not wasting resources. It's an efficiency thing again. Yeah. Superb. So what have you learned about yourself on this journey so far? Hmm. Um, well, I've seen myself at my best and I've seen myself at my worst and, and I'm still here. And I know that I'm resilient enough to, for, for all the challenges and things that I've experienced so far, at least, um, they become a lot easier and easier to, to move through. So, um, what this all translates to is a absence of anxiety, right? Because even though I don't know what's going to happen in the future, I'm confident in my ability to navigate that. And that makes you very calm and able to be patient and listen and pay attention, right? Um, and serving others rather than just myself. So I've learned that you can reinvent yourself as well. This is the other thing here. I'm an accountant that's now doing growth marketing and, you know, leveraging people's assets to, to double the business. Like, so how does that happen? I mean, you know, accounting is generally seen to be personality type that's quite maybe boring. You know, I can say this because I'm trained accountant. Um, maybe a little bit, uh, you know, numbers crazy and all of these type of things. And, and you, you are not who you, you can change your definition of yourself, just like you can change the world around you. Um, you are not your label either, right? The other business that I've got, on one hand, you can call me a videographer or you can say I'm a growth marketer or you can say I'm a management consultant or a project manager or... And these uh, are all um, identity uh, labels, aren't they? Correct. You know, or I'm a coder, so I know coding languages and well, artists, I like to draw, like all this type of stuff. And so, so if, the moment you give yourself a label like that, you pigeonhole yourself. And it's, it's important to realize that for your own brain, for your own sake, that you are not necessarily that. And so 
over the years, one of the little thesis statements for myself um, that I've got is that it's possible to reinvent yourself at any point in time that you want. And all of these different things are, for me, little notches on the belt where I'm trying to prove that to myself. And eventually, maybe one day I'll write a book about it or something. But, you know, it, the only thing standing in your way is yourself. And if you just get over it, you can do great things. You can achieve things that you never thought even possible for yourself. Um, but you've got to get started and you've got to get over yourself. And so that, um, yeah, that's that's definitely some of the things I've learned about myself. You know, every time that I thought, I'm afraid I don't want to do this and I did it anyway, bad things didn't happen like I expected. So you make a note of that. You go, okay, well, next time, maybe the bad thing won't happen and then it becomes easier. Going to go out in front of a group of people and speak to 100 people. Okay, you're shit scared the first time, but then nothing bad happens. So you do it again, it's easier. Uh, being interviewed here, you know, there's a certain level of anxiety because I'm subconsciously thinking, well, you know, if I say the wrong thing, then I'm going to damage my reputation and stuff. But you know what? That doesn't matter because everyone's afraid of everything. It's just you've got to get through it and you've got to move forward um, because because otherwise you're just going to waste your time and your life and not really live to your full potential. Uh, has the journey made you clearer on your purpose in life? <laughs> I don't know which one. Um, what's the meaning of life, man? These are heavy questions, Bryn. Um, my purpose in life is to enjoy my life, right? And do everything in my power to make sure that I do that in a way that creates value for myself and other people, but at the same time, not missing sight of the flowers around me, right? So I don't want to work all the time. I don't want, I know what I don't want. I don't want to sit in a cubicle and do the same thing every day. I don't want that, so I change it. Um, I don't want to be having regrets later. So if I find myself afraid of something, I go, will I regret this? Maybe. Okay, let's just fucking do it anyway and see what happens. You know, so for me, life, life is. I don't believe necessarily there's a particular purpose for us all in this life, you know. Um, and And... I think if you if you do, it helps you get through things. But in my case, I just don't have that kind of view. I just want to make the most of every second that I'm here. And lo and behold, for me, that's quite a lot of fun to do. So it's about just extracting the maximum value and fun out of being alive that you can. And in order for that to happen, you've got to play around and try stuff and do different things and find what you love. Put yourself out there. Capitalize on that. Put yourself out there, yeah. Like you're doing with WA Real. Look how fantastic this podcast is. You've got some amazing guests on here. You're, you're, you're helping people navigate through their own life journeys, you know, and whatever it means for them through this podcast. And had you sat around going, oh, I can't do this or this and that, then that benefit would never have happened. And I'm going to have as a guest that you're having a really good time doing this. You know, because you get to meet a lot of different people. So, so there you I'm go. I'm having an amazing time. Yeah. And, and the big challenge for me now is converting all the great stuff I've learned and turning that into my business, which I'm in the process yes. of doing. Awesome. So, yeah. so uh, what does the next three to five years look like for you? <laughs> As a, it's a hard one because I just talked about having a goal so important. You've got to fly the plane to Sydney and stuff. But, um, you yeah, know, where the businesses are at at the moment I'm on a mission now to take this advice that I've got, um, that I give people in person, like a consultant. And I want to just turn that into something a little bit more scalable because 
we're having really great impact, but it's limited to the person that I'm working with. So one of my goals now is going to be to systemize what I'm doing in some way, shape or form, and then use all the knowledge I've got about marketing to push that out into the world and see if more people can benefit from that. That's the one thing. Um, film business, you know, that one makes decent money for you know, honestly very little work um, overall in terms of the hours that we've got every every week. Uh, so that one probably just bubble along. It's really quite fun to do it. Um, so, and then personally, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to see different parts of Perth again. So I'm an avid motorcycle rider, and so maybe doing like a big, big ass motor- motorcycle trip somewhere in there would be kind of cool. And then yeah, um, so three to five years, you can kind of see by my response here. I'm in some way quite living in the now in a way and, and trying to do it. But my focus is on building these businesses up into something sustainable where more people can get involved in it and more people can benefit from it than what's currently the case. Hmm. I can imagine um, listening to your analysts and how you approach work that things can get quite hectic and heady. What do you do to keep yourself grounded and, um, you know, feet on the ground and sane? Yeah, so not flipping out over little things and getting stressed out and so on. Yeah, so um, I'm a project manager as well. And, you know, from your own consulting experience, you know the importance of just having a process for things or a checklist for things or systems around you that make this chaotic world just a little bit more structured so that we can focus and move forward. So I'm a very big believer in technology. and for all the different things that we do, I say we because I work with other people all the time, so it's easier and better to think of it as a team. Um, but the types of stuff that we do, like so broad and varied that you need good systems and structure around it to maintain sanity throughout the process. So, you know, simple things you can do is get a CRM um, because if you have 10 different types of jobs that you're delivering for people at the same time, you don't want to lose track of missing one or the other. Um, learn how to do a project plan and update that thing, you know, so work towards a plan. Um, make sure that you are regimented in how you spend your time so you don't procrastinate, so you don't take um, breaks and time off where you don't need it, you know. I think being productive and having control or at least um, the ability to exercise control over things like procrastination is going to reduce your anxiety and make you feel more fulfilled. And then you'll find yourself working 10 hours a day without really getting tired and feeling overwhelmed, you know. You have to enjoy what you're doing, but just by accomplishing things along the way gives you quite a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. I think that momentum together with, that. yeah, get momentum. You know, there's a book called Flow. I don't know if anyone wants to look that up, but the concept of flow is when you, um, you sit down to do a task and you, you know, when you pick your head up, it's three hours later and you don't know what the hell did the time go. You were just in there doing it. Everything. Can you have this perfect balance of um, your ability meets the challenge of the environment and it's all just nicely synced up? It's amazing when you when you get in that state. And, and the cool thing is you can force yourself into that state. You can get there by just getting started. And normally the best opportunities for that is when it's the thing that you're putting off. So if it's the thing that's on the list, um, there's a book, another book called Eat That Frog. And the idea in that book is that if there's something that you don't want to do, you're more likely to procrastinate because you're trying to avoid doing that thing. 
So whenever you find yourself wanting to procrastinate or move away from something, force yourself just to move forwards. Because the moment you start chipping away at it, you'll find yourself in flow and you'll just start solving the problem. So, you know, as a, a kind of a mental model, that's a pretty good one because that avoids you then having a huge to-do list of shit that's not done, mm. <laughs> uh, which makes you anxious. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the, so the anxiety comes from a few things. It's uncertainty of the future, sure, but it's also your own procrastination and not having control over that. So not being efficient right, with your time. And it, I think I think if you love what you do and you're efficient with it, you won't get as stressed out as you might otherwise get. And last thing on that, if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to experience a lot of ups and downs. But the thing is, you're always in control of it. So it's by choice. It's your thing. You're in control. So when you think of a job, I get tired at work, working in my cubicle behind a desk. It's because you cannot choose what the hell it is that you want to do at 9.20 in the morning. You have to sit there. Someone else is making you sit there and do it. But when you do your own stuff, you have a choice. And that choice equals freedom and equals less less an anxious life. So this you don't get as tired, is what I'm kind of trying to say, just by the very nature of what you're doing. Uh, and I feel myself I'm, I'm in that space. You know, so I can go 20 hours work if I need to. And some days I don't work at all because I just don't feel like it and I won't be productive anyway. So I go do something else. But then the next day I'm super productive. You know, so it's about controlling when you do things and, and having a say in it. I think matters a lot. Just finally, one of the last questions I'd like to ask people is if you could take a little nugget of information and just upload it into the collective consciousness so everybody gets it and makes life <laughs> easier. You know, when you sit around with a beer, sometimes with your friends are like, oh, if everybody just got this, mm. uh, life would be easier. What would it be? It's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. So the things holding us back are things that happen outside of our control. And they suck. And they vary to a different degree for different people. And wherever you are listening to this and whatever you're feeling right now and whatever you think's holding you back, suck it up and try something, right? Yes, it's not your fault that it happened and it sucks. It sucks. But we all get different, we get handed different hands, right, when we get born. And some people are ahead of the curve and some people, you know, some presidents we know got given a small loan of a million dollars from their dad, you know, this kind of stuff. Uh, So life isn't fair, right? So stop whinging about it and turn it into the thing that you want. You can change it. You can massage the world around you um, and make it the way you want. But no one's going to do it for you. No one gives a shit about you. It's basically your responsibility to build the life that you want. I think that is, if I had to leave one thing, that's the thing. You know, get over yourself and go for it. Epic. Epic. Jürgen, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Um, If anyone wants to reach out and, and connect with you more, where can they find you? Easiest way is going to be at nicheinterview.com. So N-I-C-H-E-I-N-T-E-R-V-I-E-W.com. There's a contact form on there if you want to reach out. And on that site, you'll find a lot of the events that I mentioned earlier that I go film. So I've started walking around and just filming all of these little business events around town. And so I've put them all up there. Uh, You can just go watch them for free. And there's contact forms so you can get in touch there. If you want to talk about taking your startup and getting traction for it or taking a business that's tiny and making it bigger or making a bigger business more efficient, uh, you can feel free to reach out to me there and see what we can do for you.
Jürgen, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Brent. Thank yeah, you so much for having me on. Uh, it's, it's like, it's like uh, talking to a kindred, kindred spirit. So <laughs> thank you very much. Awesome.